introduce myself? Sure, go ahead. Hi, Aisha. Thank you for having me on the show. My name is Ray Young. I'm a Team Singapore Marathon runner. Uh, I've represented Singapore in two Southeast Asian Games in 2015 and 2017. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Okay, it's good to have you here. Congratulations on your recent gold medal. Thank you. How did you feel winning the second gold medal? Uh, the Southeast Asian Games? Yeah. Um, well, I would say it's cliche, but the first time is always the best time. Like mm. going into the SEA Games two years ago, yeah. um, and I was like really just the, the novice, the underdog. I only had one marathon under my belt going to the SEA Games. So two years ago was definitely like the big surprise when I won the Southeast Asian Games. Yeah. And this time was a lot of a different experience because I was going in as the defending champion, but not the favorite because like mm. I had improved in the last two years, but like three of my competitors had improved even more and they were mm. even faster than I was yeah. like going on the starting line. So it's like, you know, I was like scratching my head, like how did I go from defending champion and improving to being like not even a favorite for the medal. Like yeah. I was ranked number four going into the this year's SEA Games oh, yeah, marathon. Wow. But leading up to the games, mm -hmm. were you pressurized by the fact that you were a champion and you had to defend your title? Um I think pressure most most of pressure can be is probably self inflicted. Mm. Um uh, people ask me whether I felt pressure, I was like, no, I I didn't really feel pressured in a negative way. Mm. I felt pressure in a positive way where people were watching my race and mm. people were excited because like it was especially from the for the Singapore running scene, it was the first time that we had I mean before twenty thirteen we never had even one uh marathon gold medal on the men's side. I think Jayamani was the only lady who won something on the mm. women's side. Um but in twenty thirteen Mongiran won our first gold medal. Mm. In twenty fifteen I won our our second gold medal and twenty seventeen we were both on the team headed up to KL to try and get the gold medals. And the marathon was the first event so there was a lot of pressure. I was like, alright, if we don't win a medal here we're probably gonna go home the whole team is gonna go home empty handed. Yeah. So yeah I stepped up uh and no, I stepped up to the plate where there was a lot of people watching this. Like there was a lot of pressure going in. There was like, um, like, like really you have to win. Like you have to bring you have to bring home the gold medal for us. You're defending champion, but you're only hope, that kind of thing. Um, but I think you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as like, oh, one, like you, you feel that you're scared to fail now that because mm -hmm. you don't let so many people down. Or B, you can actually like, like pause, take a moment, and take it all in and say, wow, what I'm doing is actually something that's pretty. Cool, and it, and it means a lot to these people who are watching me. Yes, yeah. it's pressure that they are watching me, but it also means that what I'm doing is important. And yeah, what I'm wow. doing like, can make a difference in people's lives, and in my in my own small way, make a difference in um, the lives of other people and the world as well. Yeah, so, for sure. so yeah, it was like it's exciting to be part of something that um, interesting. Yeah, um, so <laughs> something that exciting rather. Yeah. So yeah, I just like you know, did my best, trained for it. Mm -hmm. um, took three months of. Uh, no pay leave to make sure I was in the best shape I could mm. and went off, went off to train in the States and when I came back I was in the shape of my life and mm. thankfully that was enough to, to get a gold medal again. Yeah. So uh, how did this whole marathon thing begin? Um, I actually, my, my big sources of inspiration for road running is mm. my mom and my dad because oh. uh, when I was in secondary one, um, I, I was drafted into the cross country team and my mom had not like run a race for like 20, 25 years ever mm -hmm. since she graduated from um, from Raffles Institution at, at the age of 18. Like she was cross-country captain at the age of 18 mm -hmm. um, for, her, for her junior college. Yeah. But once she graduated and went to uni, like she just like, she just like focused on uni and like uh, I'm sure she was active and played sports but not so much mm -hmm. uh, competitive running anymore. But when I was 
drafted the cross country team, she started to like, you know, she would come with me to training and then while I'm training she wouldn't just stand around, she would like go for her own run around my retreat or whatever. Mm. So she started to get into shape again. Uh. And because of her, my dad got interested in it and then to keep her company oh. on the weekends and yeah. while I'm at training, my dad and mum would both go on runs together. Mm. They were basically pretty good recreational runners. Like they were able yeah, to run about sure. 5 minutes, 5.20 per kilometer, yeah. for 21 kilometers. And yeah, after that, I I mean, I, was, I always thought they were crazy. I was like, I was doing cross country and I was, I was yeah. racing 4 or 5k and I found it so tiring. I was yeah. like, how, how the heck do you go and like race 20k, you know, mm. uh, 21k. But, you know, that got me interested. That was the first time I heard about the Standard Chartered um, mm. Marathon because my parents doing taking part in it. Mm. And then eventually, um, I just, like, that, that, just, that just got my my thoughts flowing about doing a road race someday mm. and eventually I made my marathon debut at the age of 23 mm. so like a good 10 years after my mom ran her first standard chartered half marathon mm. I ran my first marathon and uh. it was only 13 years after her first standard chartered half that I ran my first standard chartered marathon which was this past weekend uh, <laughs> wow uh, so it's been quite a, quite, quite a journey yes, and yeah. I have my mom and dad to thank for first starting the journey for of course sure. like many things happened along the way as well yeah so how did you become a national athlete? Um, well, I didn't really do anything different really. I just kept mm -hmm. doing what I was doing and every year I got a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, for track and field, it's slightly different from team sports where you know, you're picked to join the national team. Track and field is simply you compete but as an individual and you post your marks, like, mm -hmm. like you post your times, you post your distances, mm -hmm. you post your height if you're a high jumper. And you know, there comes a point where they, they, they are looking for people to form the national team to go mm. to the SEA Games or go to the Thailand Open or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the national team is really like put together before the SEA Games and dispensed immediately after. Yeah. Which I don't think is... I, I think there's, there are better ways to do it. I think we yeah. can have a national training squad to get together and like yeah. push each other to improve. But yeah. um, that's for Singapore athletics to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for the viewers out there who you know want to know how to get into the national team, for example. Mm. So the way is to go join all these races. Uh, I'll say yeah, train yeah. like find find a training group. Now there's the Active SG Athletics Club, mm. so that provides like very affordable there's a lot of coaching. Yeah, like Stephen Quack is probably one of yeah. our best distance coaches in the in, in Singapore. Mm. Um, he's got good knowledge and inculcates good values through sports. So yeah. he takes care of the distance runners. Yeah. Robin Tan takes care of the sprints programs. Yeah. Um, Katrina takes care of the sprints and jumps and the kids. But um, you don't have to be part of the school team, right? You can just join this as an outside class, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, it's okay. open to anyone and everyone. Yeah, that's great. And like, I genuinely believe that athletics helps um, in the development of kids. Um, parents are very, very focused on performance in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But, you know, participating in a sport like athletics like, helps to teach the kids values that they cannot learn in the classroom. Sure. And I definitely yeah. believe I became a more patient, more perseverant, more resilient person mm. through sports. I became more confident through sports. Mm. And you know, it would be very different if I just sat in the classroom and didn't mm. work through yeah. my whole life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I definitely became more well-rounded and I oh, my sport nice. to thank for that. And yeah, you know, you meet friends yeah. through sports. You meet sure. mentors through sports. Mm. Like, I'm sure you wouldn't have been the same person you are if not for your sport. No. I wouldn't be the same person I am without my sport. Yeah. Um, so Sometimes you, you have life-changing moments through sport. I know, mm -hmm. I know many people who found their future spouses through mm -hmm. uh, the sport because mm -hmm. of your common interests and your common values. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely something that um, that parents should 
encourage your kids to do. Right? Yeah, for sure. Sports change lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So active SG, athletic program. <laughs> there's something that, and, and not just at the active SG, but there are private groups out there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like uh, Coach Fabian Williams, like Fabian Williams Coaching Partners yeah. has a group. Um, Coach Jack Singh has a group. Mm -hmm. There are just so many groups, private teams out there that mm -hmm. you can join. Yeah. And, and of course, there's the, there's the big um, active SG, which is the government arm for. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me think, like, you know how people say you've got to, you know, wait for a sign or wait for things to happen, but actually, no, you just got to go out there and find these opportunities, right? Uh, Take the initiative. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of waiting around for things to happen. Yeah. It doesn't really happen. Athletes <laughs> like to wait around for things uh, to happen. <laughs> you have to create your own chances. Yeah. I would say. I would say if you keep knocking on the door, you keep giving yourself opportunities mm. by going out there, training and competing. You may not get it in your first race, you may not get it in your second race, but some people might take longer than others. Uh, but yeah. eventually there comes a day where it all comes together in your training and yeah. your, your years or months of training like start to come together and um, you have a day where everything is right, the weather, yeah. like your body, how you're feeling, the competition, yeah. and that brings out the best performance in yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I think the biggest thing is, yes, people believe in you, but the biggest thing is when you have a breakthrough performance, you know that it's possible to, for it yourself to compete at that level. Yeah. You know it's possible for yourself to be the best in the country or the best in the region or the best yeah. in the world. And then you start to uh, because you are confident, you see you see that vision of yourself now, mm -hmm. you put more effort in, in sustaining uh, your lifestyle and your training and your com competing mindset that allows you to achieve that vision. Mm. So you did mention that uh, after you perform well, you get recognized and things get easier. But of course we all know that an athlete's journey is not as easy as they think. Mm -hmm. So what is the biggest challenge um, you as a marathoner face? Um, well, in the marathoner's journey, it's, I mean, simply the nature of the event is, is a very long, grueling, uh, painful event. So naturally in training, you have to be ready to run long, you have to be able to grind, and you have to be ready to you know, endure like long mornings under the sun. Mm. Like running your 32 kilometer, 35, 40 <laughs> kilometer long run. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, some days you are... Some, uh, like, you, know, you guys are just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as I, I work a full-time job as well. I work yeah. in Sports Singapore in uh, Coach SG's Coaching Development Department. Mm. So my office hours are 9 to 6. So I get up in the morning, I do my 16 kilometer or 18 kilometer run first thing in the morning and then go to the work, go, go to my mm. office. And then there, I'm in the office from 9 to 6. I try to take a nap at lunchtime. You know, in the evening, I go for another 6 to 10 kilometers, depending on what mm. my schedule is. And then have a good dinner and go home. And once yeah. a week, I have to squeeze in a gym session. So it's really hard to run, work, yeah. gym, and then run again. Because before you know it, it's like dark and, and whatever yeah. outside. Uh, but you know, if you want it bad enough, you find a way to make it work. And yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, is, it never gets, it never gets, um, it, it doesn't really get all that much easier, but you get used to it. And when you get yeah. used to it, you get used to the you get used to the discomfort yeah. and your body gets fitter. Um, yeah. I, I would say the 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 biggest thing is that it doesn't get easier, you just get stronger. Yeah. And when your body's stronger, like yeah. the, your perceived effort for everything becomes a little bit yeah. you start to enjoy it, you know, you start to enjoy being in yeah. shape. But usually after big runs, how long is the rest for? After a marathon I rest for one to two weeks. Oh wow, nothing yeah. at all. Yeah, I think it all for all the two. Not even jogging. Not even jogging, no. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received, um always look into the future. Like ask yourself five in five, ten years time, 
where do I want to be with my life? Because that helps you with the big picture, you start to narrow down to the smaller details. And I actually, mm-hmm. I believe I heard this from um, uh, Sports Singapore CEO Lim Tech In. Like he he mm-hmm. just spoke to me and he, he told me, you know, like, what is your, where do you see yourself five, ten years down the road? Mm-hmm. And like, uh, with, the, with, the, with that long term vision in mind, like, that guides what you are doing on a day to day basis. Because mm-hmm. he told me, I mean, he broke the hard truth to me that, you know, my sports career is not going to last forever. It's like that this is a very like short time of your life where yeah. you'll be enjoying this and yes, you'll be doing well in it, but you're not going to be able to do this for the rest of your life. So yeah. you want to carry over skills that you picked up in sports that yeah. help you excel after you're done in sports. You don't want to be just like, like, like put everything to sport and once it's done, like you're lost to what to do with the rest of your life because mm-hmm. you still have the rest of your life to live. So yeah, I mean, end of the day, end of the day, you know, sports is, is important. It seems like like, I mean, to do well in it, it has to be the center of our life, it has to be the center yeah. of our focus, but really, um, in the grand scheme of the world and things, like, you know, we're just small mm. beings, like, on this world. Mm-hmm. So I think whenever we're down about our sport, whenever we are discouraged, like, just yeah. remember, like, you know, like, what we're doing is, yes, it's important, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still relatively insignificant to, mm. the, to, to some of the problems that the world has. Yeah. So, yeah, never yeah. get too down and never get um, overly arrogant I would say but never get like too disappointed as well like yeah. it helps me keep a level head whenever I think about the, the, the whole perspective Exactly, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's good advice. <laughs> I, I feel that I'm so lucky to be sitting here and hearing all the best advice <laughs> from you. the best athletes. It's like, <laughs> like a bit of cheating <laughs> but yeah I get to share it with people as well. Okay so um, I do have our current athletes who approach me and ask me like you know how do I get my sponsors but I feel that different athletes have different ways on how to get partnerships with companies and individuals so what's your story with your sponsors mm, so the, the two brands that i work most closely with as of now mm. are my shoes and apparel company asics as well as my hydration drink company h2o um i'm very lucky to be working with these two brands asics is a japanese brand so that the asian the whole asian identity right there and H2O even better is a Singaporean brand so mm. it's really nice to have a Singaporean brand supporting a Singaporean mm. athlete. I got linked up with H2O because like I I heard that they were they were looking for a sports ambassador mm-hmm. for, I mean, for, the, for their for their drink company for, mm. for their brand and fortunately enough that was when I was about to graduate from school and I needed to like find sponsors to mm. fund the whole athlete journey anyway yeah. so that's when I Touch with them and so it's speaking. you going out there and approaching them? Yeah, um, so the sports sponsorship industry in Singapore is still not as developed as no, it would be, not, yeah. as it might be in like the US or some other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, but I think having studied in the US um, mm. and seen how it works there gave me a bit of insight on this as mm. well. Because even in the US, like athletes have to stand out now to be oh, sponsored. Alright, yeah, athletes it's very hard to get sponsors. Mm, yeah. So athletes have to be the ones going up to people and speaking to, like, making connections, like, speaking mm. to brands and convincing them why, because all this is marketing. Like, when a brand comes out and gives you, um, gives you a sponsorship, a cash sponsorship, this is under their marketing budget. So yeah. you have to convince them why, like, you know, putting this $20,000 into you, for example, or $30,000 into you, is more worthwhile than, you know, slapping advertisements like mm. all around like uh, MRT stations and, yeah. and, and bus stations and whatever. Mm. Um, personally, I feel that sports is one of the most undertapped and most powerful vehicles for uh, marketing in Singapore simply because, you know, sports has that aura around our athletes. You know, when an athlete 
um, wins a medal for Singapore, the amount of pride, the amount of mm. like uh, glory is sparked among Singaporeans. That's a very very powerful uh, marketing tool mm. if your brand is associated with the athlete, mm. because an athlete, um, I, I believe the most powerful form of marketing is when the consumer doesn't know that it's a form of advertising. It doesn't know that it's advertising. Like you know, like if I go up to you and say, oh, buy this, this is awesome, yeah. and I'm also in your face. Yeah. It's less likely that you will buy it as compared mm. to like you know, like you see perhaps like you see an athlete winning the race, mm. and then you see an athlete like and actually using, using the product, using yeah, the product correct. after yeah. the athlete like endorses the product. So mm. someone telling you, someone telling you that this product is good is mm. always a lot better than the product telling you that it is good or yeah. like you know. Like if I go out and I tell people that you are good, it's more effective than you going out there and telling people that you are good. It's just how mm. just how people, just how psychology works, right? Yeah. Just how people work. Um, so yeah, um, I would say you know for 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 sports, for brands to like have strong marketing um, projects. Like you know, I encourage them to look into sports because there's a lot of untapped, mm. a lot of like beautiful athlete stories out there that are that are waiting to be told and. And that's where the athletes have to, the athletes have to take initiative to, you know, tell their own stories and stand out. Which yeah. is kind of tricky in Singapore because we are brought up to, you know, like <laughs> be humble, don't yeah. talk, um, um, don't t- don't tell people that you're good. Just yeah. go out there. Like the the most the one most cliched and most uh, overused uh, phrase I hear mm-hmm. is just let your legs do the talking. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like just like everything's like I like, do. It's not. It's not. It's not as simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, people, in Singapore have a little bit of a misconception of what constitutes being humble. Like I believe being humble means, um, knowing what you can do to make yourself better, and like being humble enough to, to accept, like to to read up on, um, training advice, to read up on sports yeah. science, being humble enough to uh, seek help from people that you trust and people who you know that can make you better and then right. being humble enough to go out there and putting, put in the time and effort and like believe and, and you have to know that you know if you don't put in the time and effort and the energy you're not going to get as good as like your opponents are so that's being humble like yeah. knowing your knowing what you have to do to do better and actually going out there and doing it being yeah. humble is not like don't talk at all because yeah. if you don't talk at all like no one's going to know your story and no one's going to yeah. know your story like why, I mean, why should I why, sh- why would I want to sponsor you mm-hmm. if um, you're not going to talk at all? Because you're not going to be able to promote my, my brand or my product. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here, to, I'm not, as a brand, I'm not here to give charity money away. Right. I'm yeah. here to like, if I spend $20,000 on you, I hope that through your journey, you can inspire at least $20,000 of sales mm. or, th- or, or more. And that's when my investment in you is worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so I believe that, you know, athletes, can take a little bit more ownership in marketing their image. Um, yeah, the smart use of social media, smart use of yeah, smart, smart like a- engaging creation of websites. Oh, yeah. I really hope that more and more brands can pay attention to sports and see this as a as a way to you know, it's a it's a it's their way of like it's, it's their way that they can give back to community and like provide a national mm-hmm. like help build a national identity as well because there's nothing more powerful than sports people winning medals for the nation to really like rally the nation yeah. and like glorify Singapore together. For sure. So, yeah, so like brands yeah. can brands can do a great role in like helping this. Yeah. Well. Nice. Yeah. Alright. That's all we have for today. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing. Thank you. And if you have any questions that you want to ask us, uh, so I will 
put your social media account in yeah. my description. So it's at runsoulfast, R-U-N-S-O-H-F-A-S. Yeah, and if you have any feedback or comments about the show, you can leave them in the comment section below. And thanks for watching. Thank you. Bye. Bye.